This is Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan, and your host on Ask BBB is Jennifer Matthews, CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. Good morning, Jennifer. Thanks, Jim, and good morning, everyone. This morning, we'll bring you tips to help keep back-to-school shopping expenses to a minimum and to help keep everyone on task. Our guests this morning will be talking about money. We'll look at managing debt and arranging a mortgage. Yes, a mortgage is the largest debt most people carry. Decisions you make when arranging a mortgage can affect your financial health for years to come. Our first guest this morning is mortgage broker Bernie Kleiser. Good morning, Bernie, and welcome to Ask BBB. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure to be here. Bernie, what are the implications of the recent interest rate hikes on those who have a current mortgage? The, the recent hikes are only really affecting the variable rate mortgage holders um, if you have a current mortgage, because those payments are usually going up right now. Uh, we saw record lows of one and a half percent, and now they're pushing almost four percent. So that's really biting into people's pockets with their payments. So that's what we're seeing right now. I've never, ever thought this would happen so fast, though. So it's uh, it's quite alarming. What should a homeowner look for when they have to renew their mortgage right now? Uh, right now, uh, what homeowners should look for is basically what's their timetable at that house. I wouldn't want them to lock in for a super long time, especially because the rates are, are high right now. So it all depends on their future plans, but I would prefer like a short term, maybe ride this storm of high rates out because let's face it, I think they have to come back down. We're going to hit a recession here soon if it's not already here. But uh, yeah, I would I would probably take a short term play right now or even the variable. I know people are crazy uh, or yelling at me crazy because I put them in variables, but I still think over the long term, it's the best play. And when you're speaking with people, how do you help them determine what sort of mortgage load they can carry before they start that house hunt? Uh, That's a pretty in-depth process. It's a full application we do. We check their income, all sources of income, and then we do a full debt ratio analysis. So all their payments, car payments, and uh, then we come up with what's called a gross debt ratio and then a total debt ratio. And then we come up with a number. So it's usually... you shouldn't spend more than 44% of your gross, your gross income, sorry, your total debt, your total income towards your, you know, your mortgage. So there are people that are over that right now with recent rate rises. So it's, it's really going to be a challenging time for the next little bit here. Bernie, what are some of the choices people are facing when they're arranging a mortgage and how do you help them determine what's best for their specific situation? Uh, once again, the choices like how long you're going to stay at that house, uh, short term, long term, you know, goals for that family. So that's usually what I ask because I want to put them in a mortgage that is uh, easily, you know, either portable. We can get it out of it without a huge penalty because the banks are notorious for charging huge penalties. And if we can avoid that, uh, that's usually the questions that I ask my clients is what is your long term, short term goals with that property? When we're talking about first-time home buyers, what do they need for a down payment in terms of percentage of the price of the property? Uh, okay, so that's been around a long time. The first-time home buyer is it's five percent down. Now that's capped at five hundred thousand. So if you buy a house under five hundred thousand, you'll need to put the five percent down. 
Um, you could still buy a six hundred thousand dollar house, but you got to put five percent of the first five hundred and ten percent of the rest. So there's a bit of a sliding scale, but basic, it's five percent. And what about the other end of the mortgage spectrum? Is there a way for people to invest their savings in mortgages? Uh, yes, I actually do that myself. I have other investors that do investing in private mortgages. I do people because it's it's quite uh, it's intricate and it's you know if you only have a small amount of money, I don't recommend it for people because if something goes wrong uh, when you invest in mortgages, you need uh, some cash to kind of get you through to the end of the process. But uh, yeah, there's lots of mortgage investment companies, mix we call them. You can do your own personal lending. You can visit a mortgage broker like myself. I can lend your money out. Uh, if you fit the profile, I'll be happy to help those kind of people. Speaking of mortgage uh, brokers, what is the advantage of uh, working with someone who is a mortgage broker as opposed to going directly to a financial institution like a bank? A great question, Jim. It's basically what I do is I, I could shop different companies like I deal with the major banks, other lenders, and I can usually get a better rate because I get, you know, we don't get paid salary. So we get paid like a commission on the mortgage. So if, you know, the more mortgages we fund, we get better deals with certain lenders. So believe it or not, if I go to TD Bank, I could get a better rate than if you go to TD Bank. And it's also the banks don't always give you the best rate first. If you talk to a mortgage broker, then they'll match my rate, which is the most annoying part. But that's the business. It's how it works. Bernie, can you reflect on what BBB accreditation means to your company and to your clients? Uh, well, I, I think the BBB accreditation is, is very important. Uh, I have my sign on my front of my office. It gives me credibility as, as a mortgage broker because unfortunately our business, there is some bad apples. Uh, to be a five-star or whatever, like a top, top uh, person with the BBB accreditation, it just allows my clients peace in mind that you know I do work with integrity and I, I do the best for my clients. Besides looking for the BBB seal, what are some of the other things that we should uh, think of or ask of a broker if we're thinking of, of contracting a broker to help us with a mortgage? Like how long they've been in business. You should do research on the company they work for. Uh, there's different accreditations. I'm an actual broker. That means I'm higher up than a mortgage agent. Just means I've been doing this longer than two years. Um, and just, you know, basically, you know, that, that's, you know, it's, it's all character. And, and, and I find that People don't do their homework with regards to asking their right questions. They just want the lowest rate. The lowest rate is not always the best. I've had clients with the lowest rate get really in trouble with that type of mortgage product. So um, just ask the broker questions, you know, what, what they would do in certain scenarios and kind of feel them out. Uh, check their website, you know, check testimonials, Google reviews, obviously the BBB accreditation. That's very, very important. Bernie, I want to thank you so much for coming on our show this morning and sharing your advice about uh, getting a new mortgage and, and how we can hang in there with our current one. My pleasure. Thank you so much. We've been talking with Bernie Claser, mortgage broker. You'll find him listed in the BBB directory with an A plus rating. And from there, you can link to his website and social media pages. We all carry some level of debt. Stay tuned to learn what is too much and what to do about it. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask BBB. Your host is the CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario, Jennifer Matthews. Our economy runs on credit. We all carry debt or liabilities to maintain our home and lifestyle. 
What happens when there is too much month left at the end of the money? Kevin Cattell is the owner of Paul J. Pickering and Associates Limited Debt Counselors and Licensed Insolvency Trustees. Thanks for taking time to join us this morning, Kevin. Thank you very much for having me. Credit and debt are parts of everybody's business and personal lives. We couldn't function without it. But in terms of personal debt, what is a reasonable level of debt and what would some of the danger signs be? I think that comfort around debt levels is very subjective and relative to the individual or couple in their unique circumstances. Uh, I don't think that a one-shoe-fits-all approach works uh, just based on the variables and factors out there. Like if someone has a spouse or partner who also has an income or if someone works part-time or full-time, um, or are you using more credit every month and digging a deeper hole? Um, or do you have assets that you could liquidate or sell if you ever got into financial trouble? So um, I would, however, consider a reasonable debt level to be that you are able to service that debt and make payments on that debt without issues on a monthly basis. You should also try to think about rising inflation and interest rates and how those might affect your monthly payments or earn expenses. And I also think it's really important to have an emergency fund or savings for just-in-case money uh, to help you figure things out if you need it. Does your firm do consultations before people are in trouble to help avoid problems? Absolutely. We've been in the London surrounding area for over 30 years, and we've always offered free initial consultations. I think a lot of people try to solve their financial issues or avoid them altogether uh, with the hope that they resolve themselves, but they rarely do. What are some of the reasons people might stay in debt longer? I think that many of us feel that we should be able to uh, solve our financial issues on our own. So many people also think that they can work more or work harder and solve their financial issues. And I think that some people don't want to ask for help. They might have some guilt or they might have some shame or embarrassment and and don't want to ask because they're in financial trouble. But in most cases, this isn't a choice. It's more about unfortunate circumstances. Most people come to us because they're overextended or they had job loss or health issues or even relationship or marital breakdown. Or sometimes people just need a little help to see the light at the end of the tunnel and remove that uncertainty and help them guide them to the path of their fresh start. Kevin, can you help us understand the difference between a consumer proposal and a declaration of bankruptcy? Yeah, so these are two different methods of dealing with your debt through the help of an insolvency trustee like myself. A bankruptcy is a great option when you want to start over or have minimal assets or your assets are protected or exempt from seizure so no one can take them. A bankruptcy is a process that usually takes about nine months if it's your first time or 24 months if it's your second time. Theoretically, a bankruptcy is a process where we liquidate assets and we distribute the proceeds from those assets to creditors. In exchange, the the debtor gets their discharge from their debt and they get their fresh start. Uh, Bankruptcy can sometimes sound scary, but there's many exemptions for assets and many people actually never lose anything. So there's also a monthly income monitoring component where you disclose your income throughout the bankruptcy and you also get financial counseling. So that means that not necessarily do you have to dispose of all of your possessions in the event of bankruptcy, correct? Correct. Correct. Most people, most of the time, like most of the time people have exemptions or exemptions are provided under different legislation that protect most things that people have. And most people don't lose anything in bankruptcies. Uh, Some of the examples you wouldn't lose in a personal bankruptcy in Ontario would be clothing or furniture and household goods a motor vehicle, up to prescribed values. You can continue to lease and finance cars, 
tools of the trade are protected to earn a living, RSPs and pensions are protected, and even home equity under 10,000. A proposal, however, is the creation of a new legally binding contract or arrangement between you and your unsecured creditors. This allows people to restructure or reorganize their debts and avoid a bankruptcy. Many people with large assets or assets that aren't protected prefer proposals. Usually this involves an extension of time and a settlement of the debt for a percentage of what's owed to them. A proposal also stops interest. A proposal isn't guaranteed and creditors have to vote to accept the proposal. And if the majority of your creditors do accept the proposal, it's legally binding on all your unsecured creditors. During the proposal, you do maintain control of your assets like a house or savings or cars and things like that. Just like a bankruptcy, you also get financial counseling. Once the proposal is paid in full, the remainder of the debt is compromised and you get your certificate of full performance. If you're a co-signer for someone who is declaring bankruptcy, will you be responsible for that debt? Um, unfortunately, yes. Uh, most loans or forms of credit involve joint and several liability, which means that you'll need to cover 100% of the debt as a co-signer. If the original borrower defaults, sometimes there are limitations to the extent or exposure of the co-signer, but that's rare. Usually it's always 100%. Uh, we communicate with a lot of co-signers and they always think that they only owe 50% or maybe a smaller portion, but it's usually always 100%. Once all your debt is discharged, how do you go about reestablishing a positive credit rating? Yeah, so first off, you'd have to rebuild credit, you'd need to use credit. So we always try to get people to limit further damage by not missing any payments moving forward, um, paying bills ahead of time or doubling up payments and even automating payments are great strategies to prevent from missing payments. Try not to apply for multiple forms of credit at the same time, as this can be harmful. Try not to use 100% of your credit. Try not even to exceed 70%, as that's a warning sign. Uh, try not to close all the accounts that are in good standing, as length of time on your credit report also helps. Uh, try to use multiple forms of credit, because multiple sources that are reporting positively is a great help. Uh, and be careful of those programs or services that offer to fix your credit quickly. They're usually costly and, and quick fixes don't exist. It takes time and consistency, kind of the old slow and steady. Many seniors may be cash poor, but have a fairly large amount of equity in their home. What's the best way to access that equity without losing the asset? Is a home equity line of credit a wise thing? And how would that compare to a reverse mortgage? Yeah, and you'd always want to speak to a mortgage professional for those types of products, uh, but many people do use them. Uh, I believe home equity loans are one of the most popular types of loans in the last decade. They can be a great tool to consolidate your loans and to reduce higher interest debt payments and allow you to keep your home. However, people, especially those on fixed income, like pensions, should know their risk to using these products. So most people don't know that home equity loans um, require interest only payments so you're not paying down your principal. So this might be helpful on a monthly basis for your cash flow because it's a smaller payment, but you aren't actually paying down that loan and it'll still be there down the road. Another issue is most home equity loans have variable rate interest, uh, interest rates. So they're subject to the fluctuations and in increased payments as we're seeing right now. Some people also borrow too much money without realizing it. So their interest payments become too large and they eventually have to sell their home anyway as it kind of gets away from them. 
and you do risk losing your home if you were to default on, uh, on your home equity line payments. With reverse mortgages, it's a similar product uh, where you borrow money from the equity in your home, but minimum payments aren't required on a monthly basis in most cases. So the mortgage and interest payments need to get paid when the house is sold. Um, sometimes this can also promote overspending as you forget that interest continues to accumulate on a monthly basis. And, and even though it's due later, you're not paying it now. And, you, and sometimes people forget about that. Usually there's also higher fees and higher interest rates. But without monthly payments, they are quite popular because it helps people on, a, on fixed budgets. But just remember there's, there's, there are no monthly fees and you're still incurring interest and that's eroding your equity. But as far as both products go, do they fit with your retirement plan? Do they fit with your goals for the future? But as long as you can afford those payments and keep your property, I think, I think it's a great solution as long as you understand what you're using. What should we know about an insolvency trustee before we enter into a contract? So you'd want to make sure that the company or person you're speaking to is a licensed insolvency trustee or licensed by the federal government. Uh, there are companies out there that aren't licensed that can't offer you the same options and protections. Um, Personally, just like many businesses, I'd read their reviews online to see if, uh, if they're a good fit. Ask for a free consultation, uh, review all of your options before making any decisions. And as always, uh, ask what your option is uh, or what option is best in your interest as the, as the client to get your fresh start. How much does a service like the one your company provides cost and how would a bankrupt person pay for those services? Yeah, so it, it would really depend on the personal circumstances and what type of assets and income they have that would determine whether bankruptcy or a proposal would work best for them. Uh, we, all, we always offer flexible monthly payment plans for bankruptcies and proposals. Uh, and, and as previously mentioned, we always offer free consultations uh, to help them determine what options best and, and to know their cost before they start any of those processes. Kevin, can you reflect on what BBB accreditation means to your company and to your clients? For me, I hope it shows the community and clients that we operate with honesty and integrity and that we are trustworthy. I think it provides a sense of relief to our potential and current clients that we have credibility and a positive history of serving clients and the BBB accreditation highlights and speaks to that. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us on Ask BBB this morning and sharing your information. Thank you very much. We've been talking to Kevin Cattell, owner of Paul J. Pickering & Associates, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. Paul J. Pickering & Associates, Licensed Insolvency Trustees, is an accredited business with an A-plus rating. Learn more about them at bbb.org. Next, BBB tips to keep back-to-school shopping expenses in line. And we're back with more on Ask BBB with Jennifer Matthews, CEO of BBB Serving Western Ontario. Boy, summer seems to be just evaporating. I know it's not over yet, but when we start talking about back-to-school shopping, it's a sure sign that we're on the last lap of summer, Jennifer. And besides squeezing as much fun as possible into these last weeks, we need to get those back-to-school supplies so we are ready when the bell rings. BBB has put together some suggestions that you will find on the bbb.org website. The first suggestion is to set a budget. If you plan ahead, you can keep these expenses down. 
So what are some of the things that uh, will be included in that budget, Jennifer? Well, technology has come to the forefront and you're going to need a laptop or tablet for many learning situations. So here's where research is really important. Make sure to look at different brands, warranties, customer reviews, and prices at various stores to make sure you are getting the best deal possible. And check out that retailer in the bbb.org directory. When you are comparing prices, look for coupons, cashback or rebate offers, and look for sales. And find out if the retailer offers student discounts. We'll likely be doing that research on the internet and maybe even shopping online as well. And if you are shopping online, be wary of clickbait scammers who repost legitimate store ads, but they will take you to a different website where they will steal your personal information. If the ad lists a company you are familiar with, go to that store's website by typing it directly into the search bar and always pay with a credit card, never with gift cards or e-transfers. And you'll find all of these and other tips and advice when you visit bbb.org. And Jennifer, with that, we bring another edition of Ask BBB to a close. If you have any comments on what you've heard on today's program, we'd love to hear from you. And if there is a subject you'd like us to include, let us know. You can contact us at hashtag AskBBB and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening this morning. I'm Jennifer Matthews. And I'm Jim Swan. Remember, always look for the BBB seal. It's the sign of a better business. <music>